Your next career move could be your best. Verizon Retail is where people learn, grow, and succeed. We offer the potential to earn up to $50,000 annually and amazing benefits that start on day one. Get perks including half off your wireless phone plan, up to $8,000 per year in tuition assistance, and a 401k match to help you reach your goals. Pursue your ambitions today. Learn more and apply at verizon.com forward slash retail careers. Hi, this is Jay Billis of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter, back with you all over the major platforms like Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. You can hit me on Twitter at MikeLSports. And a big-time thanks to our sponsors, Stanley Law Offices, Empower Federal Credit Union, Ken's Auto Detailing, Welch and Company Jewelers, and back on for 2020, our pals at Rosie's Corner. If you are in and around Central New York, grab the fish on Fridays. Other themed food days include Meatloaf Monday and Turkey Slop Tuesday. Rosie's Corner on Grubhub for delivery, or they'll take it to you themselves. And, of course, the pizza and wing combinations for all sporting events. Follow them on Instagram, like them on Facebook, just off the Bartell Road exit, Route 11 in Brewerton, if you are in and around Central New York. Rosie's Corner, and oh, by the way, gift cards for any occasion. Rosie's Corner is a proud ML sports platter sponsor. So I'm going to focus in on, you know, the next, I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes or so on uh, the, uh, I'm going to recap sort of, because I've had a few days to do it. And that's one of the cool things about podcasting is that you can kind of, you know, give yourself an extra day, you know, maybe an extra two days um, to, to really break down and think about things. And plus I wanted to loop it into the two teams that lost the championship games, and yes, my tears have been cleared enough to do this, I'm just kidding, uh, for the, uh, am I kidding, for uh, the Bills and for the Packers. Um, let's just quickly recap the games. I mean, real, real fast, the The Chiefs are just a juggernaut. I mean, the Chiefs are, are in another league. I feel like leading up to the game, I didn't feel that way. I really didn't. I thought with Allen's great year, um, with the Chiefs sort of skating by, winning close games, which they were getting a lot of heat for that, which I thought was ridiculous because who cares? It's the NFL. You you, you win close games often. Um, but still, like the Bills were playing well. They had won two games. The momentum was there. The defense was the best red zone D in the playoffs. The defense had gotten better for six to eight weeks in general for Buffalo. Uh, I mentioned Allen. You had Diggs in the matchup. With the Chiefs' corners, uh, you know, despite guys coming back from injury, um, you know, the, the Bills' offense can go mano a mano with the Chiefs. Oh, wait, hang on a second for that. <laughs> we'll talk about the conservative play of Sean McDermott in a second. Uh, there were just a lot of factors. You know, coaching, I didn't think was quite to the level of a enemy Spagnolo and Reed, but I thought it was close. I thought the gap was closer. And when you watch this game, it wasn't. The Chiefs rolled the Buffalo Bills. When the Bills went up 9 nothing and the extra point was missed, I actually thought that was a huge changing part, a, a, a turning point of the game. I really did. Now, you, you look at it, you go, oh, well, it's only one point. It was in the first quarter. Yeah, but that's exactly all the Chiefs needed. It was almost like the Bills said, oh, sorry, we went up 9 nothing. We're not going to go up 10 nothing." And the Chiefs were like, we don't give a shit anyway because we're going to beat the hell out of you. And that's exactly what they did, right? They end up taking a 21-9 lead and... 
another turning point in the game. The Bills have it down low, fourth and short, down near the, the, the goal line, right? And at the time, in game, real time, I was in the middle. I was on the fence with this because I said, well, hang on. If the Bills score three and it's a nine-point game, you have done two things. One, you've made it an almost one-possession game, which, again, is where the extra point hurt you. But really, two was that you had to, at some point, stop the bleeding. Kansas City was rolling you. It was in dangerous territory. It was in a danger zone of Kansas City literally going up maybe once they get the ball back in the second half by, you know, a lot of points and maybe beating you by 20, 30, 40 points. I'm not kidding because the Chiefs, they have the ability to do that with Kelsey and Hill and and Hardman and Mahomes and, and everybody included. I thought, hold the phones. They went down. They had a long drive and they stopped the bleeding. And then at halftime, you can adjust. You can get back out there. Certain things change. Maybe you can get a turnover. So I was like, okay, I can see three points. But then McDermott did it two more times. And on fourth and short, you know, goal line, you know, you elected to kick two more field goals. And that's the kind of stuff that you don't want to see as a fan. You don't want to see as a player. Because you're not giving yourself a chance to win. You can't go three equals seven. I'm not a math major, but that ain't even. Three does not equal seven. And and you can't try to beat the Chiefs with field goals when you have one of the best uh, arsenal of weapons in the NFL, and most importantly in the NFL all year, you had one of the best red zone, actually you had the best red zone offense. I mean, Allen was great in the red zone. This is where Brian Dable failed a little bit and I, as well, and I think the coaching staff got absolutely slapped around in this game, Dable included. He'll be back next year. Frazier, as we record this, uh, just had another interview with the Texans. Who knows if he goes? Uh, there's a lot of people who think that that's an enormous loss. I don't, because I think Sean McDermott, being a defensive mind, will hire the right defensive guy, and McDermott can can create a lot of defensive packages. McDermott being a defensive guy is also still hurting the Bills, believe it or not, because this year they go out, they loosen up the the you know they they basically take off the tight pants, right? They put on on the loose jeans, and they go out and they go nuts, right? It's all hands on deck, and they went nuts. They had one of the great offenses in the NFL. They had the second best offense in the NFL probably behind Kansas City, and yet here they are in the AFC title game playing at Kansas City with all the marbles for the right to go to the Super Bowl, and McDermott goes conservative, and Dable, back to him in the red zone, he doesn't call some of those read option plays that he's been obsessed with, with Josh Allen calling him at the wrong times. This was one of the right times to call him, right? I mean, they hadn't really shown it much. They don't have a running game. They don't have baby bull Zach Moss. Devin Singletary drops passes and can't run between tackles to save his life. Yeldon just got activated for the round. You don't have any running options besides your 6'5", 230-pound guy. It was a perfect time to maybe run one out there on fourth down. And oh, by the way, the way Allen can decoy, the way Allen can fake, and we saw it against the Chiefs on the first touchdown. We've seen it throughout the year with his tight ends. He starts to run, and then all of a sudden can't see it, can't find it. Where's the hole? He backs up. He's an improviser. He's a magician. He's a musician at this point, right? He backs up a little bit. He throws it to Dawson Knox. He throws it to a Gabe Davis. He finds a re- another receiver, a Diggs or a Beasley. Those are the things that Allen can do in a read option. You allow him to improvise. Dable didn't do that. McDermott didn't do that. Shame on them. Again, they didn't go for it on two other ones. And then on top of that, and my final thought in this game is, it's very simple. The Chiefs are better. Even if McDermott had gone for all of them and they got two of them, 
or three of them. You still hand the ball back to Mahomes, and they still might have scored again, again, and again. So, you know, again, Mahomes, best quarterback, best player in the league, too many weapons, Hill and Kelsey, and I mean, Pringle even killed him on three catches. Uh, you know, the Bills got a key turnover, and they still got their doors blown out. I mean, what off? What does that say? What does that say? You know, Kansas City right now is a is a building dynasty. And I and I love the Chief fans who, you know, and I don't argue that much on Twitter anymore because I don't want to deal with the constant notifications. It stresses you out. I can't stand the trolls. All of that that stuff. On occasion I will do it to try and either prove a point or defend something in sports that I see that's right. And right now the Buffalo Bills are right. They've got great coaching for the most part, not in this game. But they have, you know, an executive of the year type, a head coach who's built the culture. They went from, you know, listen, if you're a Bills fan, they went from trying to, you know, they went from the drought to breaking the drought to three playoff appearances in four years to winning two playoff games and being one win away from the Super Bowl. And now they're at a level, despite the fact that they've got to, you know, pay the quarterback and figure out Matt Milano and figure out all that. And we'll get to that in a minute. But they're now chasing a team in the NFL. Now, do they need to beat other teams in the regular season? Of course they do. Do they need to keep winning the division? Yep. Do they need to try and get home field advantage in the playoffs so that they can make that run like KC has had? Of course. But their blueprint right now is there. They've advanced to the point where they went 13-3, and two wins in the postseason, finished at 15-4 and total mark. Their blueprint's there. How do we beat the Chiefs? If you're a Bills fan, you got to feel pretty good about that. Just about, what, four years ago, you had a clueless situation until McDermott was brought in, then Bean was brought in, then you got the quarterback later and all the rest, right? So you're chasing a dynasty. You have moved yourself into position to chase a dynasty because that's what the Chiefs are doing right now. They've got the head coach. They've got the quarterback. They have the front office, right? I mean, they have... They, they have a major, 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 major situation. Brett Veach is super young. I mean, these get, you know, the Hunt family. I mean, th- this is a dangerous deal for the NFL. I mean, the Chiefs are going nowhere. You know, they might be under the cap right now. They might have some cap issues. And next, you know, next year with Mahomes, they're going to get away with one more year, you know, before that contract kicks in. After that, they're going to have the Mahomes contract. But they still might get away with it because he's going to cover up a lot of deficiencies. You're chasing a dynasty. They reside in your division. But you went from trying to break a playoff drought of 17 years to being the 1A team in the AFC chasing the team of destiny, the team, the you know, the, the dynasty destiny team. And that's pretty that's pretty darn good in four years. I mean, you know, and look, next year is not guaranteed, and we'll get into the future of the Bills in a moment, but next year is not guaranteed, but that's a pretty good place to be if you're the Bills, in my opinion. And so now you have to tinker, you gotta add, you gotta figure out who you want, etc. Again, I'll get into that in a minute. But the Chiefs now have been to three straight AFC Championship games. They're they're back in the Super Bowl. They have a chance to just pile these Super Bowl wins on top of one another. The the Veach Mahomes Brady thing, uh, Mahomes um, uh, uh, Andy Reid thing is real. Uh, it's uh, they're trying to carbon copy. They're trying to do what the Patriots have done, and it's really re- remarkable. And it is amazing. You know, you play in the the area you're in. There are a lot of really good to great teams that could be in a five to seven year window and never win a Super Bowl because the Chiefs are now here. And maybe that team is the Bills. I mean, that could be a sad situation too if you're Buffalo, but they are building a dynasty. And, you know, I'm tired of arguing with these Chief fans on Twitter. Enough. Get away from me. Uh, stop. You know, I, I tried to, you know, tell them that 
you know, the Chiefs are in another league. I mean, that's what I was trying to tweet out in, in different things when people are like, oh, when Allen faces a good team. Well, apparently you didn't watch football the whole time and you were in a cave. Oh, it's just a joke. No, it's not a joke because you wouldn't have tweeted it if it wasn't a joke. The Bills beat the Rams. The Bills beat the, uh, uh, they swept the division, okay? Uh, Miami was one of the sexy teams in the NFL for 10 weeks. The Bills beat them twice. The Bills beat Russell uh, Wilson and the Seahawks. The Bills were a Hal Murray away from beating Arizona. At the time, Arizona was a playoff contender. The Bills beat a, an up-and-coming, rising Justin Herbert-led Charger team. The Bills won on primetime multiple times. You know, the Bills beat the Colts and Ravens of the postseason. I mean, the only two losses that were the Bills looked the worst, they were battling when are we playing, who are we playing during the coronavirus back-to-back weeks with the Chiefs and the Titans this year. So they had a great year. I mean, you know, your emotions will toy with you as a fan, but they had a great year. They were one win away from the Super Bowl, and now they've got to chase Kansas City. The other game, real quick, Tampa Bay beat Green Bay, and Brady was awesome in the first half. He was throwing teardrops, amazing throws, etc., but the second half was not great. He had three total interceptions, two in the second half, and gave Green Bay every opportunity to win the football game, and Green Bay couldn't do it. Now, Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, who gets more blame, blah, blah, blah. It's very, very simple. They're both to blame Probably, I don't know if I want to go equally. I'll, I'll blame LaFleur 60%, Rodgers 40%. It comes down to the play plays we know. With just over two minutes to go, we know what happened. You know, Everybody's broken it down a million ways to Sunday. I'm not going to add a ton here other than I think LaFleur gets 60% blame. I think Rodgers gets 40 I think it's real simple. I think LaFleur <clears throat> was a coward and not going for it. Even if you <clears throat> go for it and don't get it, you still got to get the ball back and get a touchdown. You kick a field goal which they did, you still got to score a touchdown. Either way, it's like the Bills. You have to get a touchdown in that spot. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You had three timeouts, and you had the two-minute warning. So kicking a field goal actually is making more waste of a timeout or two or three and the two-minute warning. It's ridiculous. In addition, Rodgers deserves a potpourri of blame because he didn't run it on multiple downs. If he goes for the run on you know third down and gets down to the three or two, hell, he might have even scored. That Packer fourth down situation is a totally different call. They definitely go for it. And maybe even the Packers score the touchdown, then they go for two. So that was absurd. And by the way, you kicking a field goal and still needing a touchdown, you're kicking it back to arguably the most successful quarterback and player in the, in the history of the league, best quarterback in history in Tom Brady, uh, arguably. Yes, I'm leaning more towards that. People who've listened to me for years, I still have issues with the Spygate. I really do. But you can't argue it now as far as Brady's success. Ten Super Bowls, he has an opportunity to win a seventh ring, uh, and it's ridiculous. And and he's just made such a difference. He really has uh, on this team. Um, He's added, and again, it's not just about one guy, but, but usually in sports. But man, with Tampa, it really, really is. I had people coming at me on, so, oh, yeah, but look at Gronk and Antonio. No, 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 no. Tom Brady went in and established demand. He demanded winning, demanded a culture deal. He's an extra coach on the field. All the crap in the beginning of the year with him and Arians was all overblown, as we know. Arians let him play. Arians let him coach. And it was a freedom year for Tom Brady. And, frankly, the other NFC teams caved at the moment against Tampa. I mean, they did. They didn't make as many plays. Tampa, to me, was a club all year when they won. I couldn't figure them out until basically the playoffs. But Tampa all year to me was a team that was playing hard also for Tom. 
they were like, damn, we got this guy in here. He won't let us lose. It's like the Broncos did for Peyton Manning. Now, Tom Brady at 43 is better than Peyton was then when the Broncos went on the Super Bowl run, and mostly it was defense and ball control and getting turnovers and special teams and all that. But the concept is the same. The thinking is the same. These guys play for each other. They don't want to lose because a guy is all of a sudden in the locker room. I know it's real because I've talked to people like Mark Teixeira about it. Mark Teixeira came on this very show and he said, yes, it is a real thing. When you're a Yankee, you don't want to lose because you got to look Jeter and Rivera in the face. That is a real thing. Trust me. (laughs) If you're out there saying, oh, well, Lindsley's just blowing smoke. I'm not. I talk to people. I talk to guys who are two, three great career years away from being Hall of Famers. It's real. Mark Teixeira said that on this show. Go back and listen. So congrats to the Chiefs and Bucks. They both deserve to be there. I'm going to talk about the future of the Packers and the Bills next. ML Sports Platter brought to you by your great friends at Bryant and Stratton College. For every and in life, two and four-year degree options are here for you. Bryant and Stratton College, the official college of the ML Sports Platter. Thanks also to the Allen Angus Pub and CNY Electrical. First for the Green Bay Packers, I mean, we, you know, they got to figure out, right? I mean, nobody knows, right? We've heard a lot about, you know, the Rodgers versus franchise stuff isn't really real, eh, okay? Then we have heard that it is. PTI came out with some sources last night as we record this, Tony and Mike talking about, you know, the absurd inner workings there and how they fought all year. So who knows what's real at this point? Aaron Rodgers certainly knows the power of his voice. Aaron Rodgers certainly is, I think he's been holding it all year, and I I think everybody should know that this is how this works in sports. When you continue to win, it heals a lot of things. It heals LaFleur versus Rodgers. It heals bickering on the sidelines. When you win, all that stuff goes away. The second you lose and the coach makes a bad decision, then it's back to, oh, well, Rodgers didn't have enough weapons. If Rodgers has the extra receiver, do they convert the third down, right? When Rodgers also could have run, where he deserves blame as well. I personally think Rodgers had plenty of weapons this year. Would I still have gone out and gotten him more? Duh. I ain't getting Jordan Love. I'm going out and getting Claypool or somebody in the draft, you know, a wide receiver, because technically speaking, you never have enough options. Look at Kansas City. Kansas City defended the Super Bowl going into the draft. Kansas City went out and got Clyde edwards Lair. They went out and got another major player. Now, you might think and say, well, wait a minute, that's a running back. Aaron Rodgers got a running back and they got crucified. Yeah, but the difference is Clyde edwards Lair, diff- he's a different guy in their system. He's a different usage back. He's an RPO back. A.J. Dillon's a straight-up hand-it-to-him run up north-south like it's 1950 in the Packers system. A big difference. So I think A.J. Dillon's going to be a really good player. Don't get me wrong. And I think he's going to be the featured back because now Aaron Jones is expendable because of that big fumble. My point is you keep going at the draft to surround a Hall of Fame quarterback. They blew it with that. I mean, it's, it's clear. You don't go get Jordan Love. And by the way, getting Jordan Love, sure, a little bit of motivation for Rodgers, but let's be honest, I mean, Aaron Rodgers just had the best year of his career at 37. you got to go get him more weapons. And I think him and LaFleur and company, I think they need to get into a room and I think that they need to hash this shit out. They need to figure it out. Hey, Aaron, we want you to be here. Brian Gutekunst has got to get into a room. Um, 
with 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 uh, Lafleur and Rogers and, and hash it out. And say, hey, we're going to go get you people. You know, they got to figure out the Rogers situation first. They have to be honest with him and say, hey, we're going to go get weapons. Was that the problem? Is that still the problem? Do you have an issue with the guy across the table as head coach? They got to figure it out. That's where their offseason sits right now. I got nothing else on that. Once those three guys get on the same page, they're fine. But if they go into 2021 and they're not on the same page and they're not on the same page going into the draft, there's going to be problems. You know, like Green Bay is going to pick at the end of the first round. Do you promise Aaron Rodgers a wide receiver under no other circumstance? And then go get him that wide receiver. Does Aaron Rodgers have a say in the NFL draft? Like, they need to get on the same page, and that's all... That's exactly where the off. That's exactly where the offseason stands. I got nothing else on it. That's it. Buffalo, meanwhile, has some challenges and 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 how to figure out who to keep, who to cut, who to you know what to do, franchise tag, etc. They're going into the next season knowing that they have a franchise quarterback. That's a good thing. Josh Allen's their guy. As far as what to fix, they got to figure out the ground game. Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, is that enough? Do you bring, you know, what do you do with TJ Yeldon? Do you go out and try to get, if you're at the back end of the first round, I think they pick, what, 30-31-ish. Do you go get, do you waste a a, a first-round pick on a a Travis Etienne from Clemson? An RPO back, catch it out of the backfield, tremendous runner. Do you say no thanks to a Singletary, no thanks to a, a Yeldon, and go get an ATN? Do you go do that? Diggs is back. Beasley's back. They want to be in Buffalo. They love Buffalo. Still some contract years combined between them. But do they need restructuring of those contracts to get paid more? That's where John Brown comes in. He makes $9 million in 2021. I think you cut John Brown because you got to find money in certain places to pay offensive linemen. Speaking of, get to that in a second. The tight end position. Disaster. We know that there were Corona problems, Tyler Croft, etc. His deal is up. I, I let him walk. Do not bring Tyler Croft back. Got to figure out if you really want Dawson Knox. He was wildly inconsistent all year. Do you want to keep developing him? I kind of like Dawson Knox. I would keep him on the roster because I think he's a really good blocker. He's a really good locker room guy. They seem to love him. On occasion, a security blanket. I do not make him the number one tight end, though. I think I got to go figure out that. They gotta figure that out. And certainly Travis Kelsey, and again, everybody behind Travis Kelsey, they, they're not in his world. But you can see in a high powered offense how vital a tight end can be. You don't have to go get a Travis Kelsey, but maybe go figure out the tight end position somehow, some way. Lee Smith, eh, they love him as a blocker, leadership, all that kind of thing. I don't know what to do with him at this point, but you gotta figure out the tight end position. The offensive line is a big deal. Do you keep Mitch Morse now? Here's a guy who's got, um, you know, a, a, a history of concussion uh, problems. Uh, he's got, you know, uh, a huge hefty contract. The Bills paid him, uh, you know, a four-year deal worth $44.5 million. That's a lot of money, man. That's a lot of money. He's got two more years on the deal at seven plus million and almost seven million. He's a UFA unrestricted free agent in 2023. He's also 29, 30 years old. If you get rid of Mitch Morse, and I know he they got him to be a, a bona fide center, but my God, he's been injured a lot. 
do you cut him and save 14 or so or 15 million dollars of the cap? You got to consider it. Because if you cut him and you cut John Brown, you've got 23 million dollars to work with ish with the cap. And at that point, you know, you're expecting Cody Ford to become back. The Bills, I think, like what Ike Bucker gave them for the most part, they can develop him. They feel like he could be a guy there. Daryl Williams, I think, deserves a contract with the Bills on the right side. So there you have it, and John Feliciano needs to get paid. John Feliciano is wicked versatile. He's super versatile. He can play guard, he can play center. I think you got to put your funds into Feliciano no matter what. Can you do that without cutting Mitch Morse? Okay, if you cut John Brown, if you cut some others, maybe you can. If you can't, I think Feliciano's a more valuable lineman, as is Daryl Williams. These are the tough decisions that Brandon Bean has to make. So that's the question you have. Can you do all that without cutting Morse? If you can't, then you got to cut all of them. And then you sign Daryl Williams. I understand he's a tackle. I understand Cody Ford is also a tackle. You know, Ike Bucker's a guard. You know, you've got Deion Dawkins on the left side as a tackle. He's firmly in place. You know, then you've got a guard. you got to figure out, you know, that guard situation. Bucker is there probably, right, on the left side. Then the, then the center position, let's say Morse is gone. You plug Feliciano right in there at center. You put Cody Ford on the other side as a tackle. And then Daryl Williams, you know, you, you kind of play him at, at guard, right? I mean, you know, he's he's versatile as well. He can play a little tackle, a little guard. To me, that's your line. You know, if 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 you can't do it financially, right? If, if you can do it financially, you know, then I think you bump out. And I'm just talking starting lineup, but then you, you know, then you, then you figure it out. You know, you have maybe a Bucker and 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 you know coming off the bench or whatever. You know, they got to figure out what to do with Ryan Bates too. I mean, is he a guy they want to have there? So it comes down to me about money slash Mitch Morse there. Also on defense, Mario Addison, thirty three years old, almost thirty four. What do you do with him? Did he show you enough? I mean. To keep him at what's what five and a half six million probably not. Matt Milano is going to command thirteen million on the market. I read last night. That's not worth it. I franchise tag him if he wants too much money. He wants a long term deal. I'm not sure I pay him. You know, I'm not sure I pay him. In the big games, Matt Milano gets exposed, and Matt Milano is always hurt. You can't take that chance. Tremaine Edmonds, 23 years old. What do you do with him? You got to pay him? Do you, do you, do you, I mean, I think with Tremaine Edmonds, you don't give him a long-term deal now. You let him play 2021. If you play 2021, you know, let him earn that contract, you know? I mean, I don't know as if I give him that right away. He's also had injuries. The left shoulder, a problem. I mean, for being super young, Tremaine Edmonds has been really, really injured. It's a major concern for me. Matt Milano is now 26. He's had a million injuries. I'm really nervous about those two guys. And I thought for a while those two guys were core defensive players. I'm not sure anymore. I think the Bills also need to get another corner to complement Trey White, who, by the way, doesn't show up in big spots a lot as well. A lot of that... I blame on coaching. I blame Leslie Frazier for that against the Chiefs because they played too much zone. You're set at safety a couple more years. 
you know, Hyde and Poyer, their contracts come up, I think, after 2021 and 2022. You know, where do you fill, you know, what what do you do at the nickel spot? You know, can you get depth there? Do you work a Saran Neal in there? Uh, Taron Johnson had a big year, two huge plays against the Steelers and Ravens in the regular season and postseason, respectively. So the Bills have a lot of decisions to make. Welcome to the offseason. But the Bills, I mean, Brandon Bean, I trust him. He knows how important depth and versatility are. You know, don't be surprised at a Dane Jackson getting way more time at corner. Maybe he starts opposite White. They got to play a lot less zone. You know, shore up the depth at nickel. You know, figure out Milano, figure out Edmonds, figure out the offensive line, figure out tight end. You know, it's a plug, it's a play, it's a this, it's a that. And then you have your cornerstone guys basically built in. Your cornerstone guys right now are Allen, Stephon Diggs, should be John Feliciano, right? Cole Beasley. And again, these are for the next. This is a three to five year window. That's it. There's no window. There's no five to eight year window. There's no 10 year window. <clears throat> There's no payroll window. There's no, 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 no. This is a two, actually not even three to five. This is a two to four. Well, yeah, I three to five years is five. Yeah, I'll go. Well, it's a three, put it this way. It's a three to five year window, but this past year was already one year. That's what's scary in the NFL, right? Because once you pay the quarterback, once you figure out the caps thing and all that, you know, your years start to get ripped off real quick. So it's a three to five year window. One year's already gone. So now we're at two to four. What's that window? Win a Super Bowl, period. Go win a Super Bowl. You know, because cause, <laughs> you've got Diggs at age 27, okay. You know, these guys are still relatively young, etc. Beasley has been banged up, but he's, you know, again, he's 31. I'd cut John Brown and mention that I'd slide Gabe Davis right into his spot. You know, what do you do with Andre Roberts on special teams, Isaiah McKenzie, etc. You've got Tyler. Now, these are core guys here I'm talking about. Core guys to win the Super Bowl two to four years. That's it. That's the window right now for the Bills to win a Super Bowl. And then after that, you got to deal with trying to stay in it be a playoff contender like Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, but look at what they've done since they won the Super Bowl, Legion of Boom, etc. They can't get out of their own way in the playoffs. They're consistent, Hall of Fame coach, Hall of Fame quarterback, getting to the playoffs, still relevant, still there, winning 10 games, but they can't win a playoff game. You know, the Bills' future could be that very soon because you got to pay the quarterback. That's what happens in this league. That's why it's so freaking hard to win. Two to four-year window. Allen, Diggs, a little bit of Beasley, Trey White, Tyler Bass, perhaps one of the other defenders. It's a Milano or an Edmonds. I don't know. Feliciano. Those are, you know, your core type, real core type. Deion Dawkins, core type pieces. Going to be fascinating. The ML Sports Platter brought to you by Empower Federal Credit Union. Make sure that you go to empowerfcu.com today. Find your peace of mind with Empower Federal Credit Union. Tip of the cap, thank you to the Whitaker and Swan families for their support as well. And also to Barks and Rack Doggy Daycare, the Allen Angus Pub, and Welch and Company Jewelers. Log on to welchjewelers.com today and shop the showcase. Download, subscribe, and leave feedback and a five-star review for this podcast wherever you get podcasts on your smartphone device. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. University of Maryland Global Campus was established to bring a respected state university education to working adults at home and abroad. 70 years ago, we sent professors overseas to educate service members and their families on military installations and on the front lines. Today, we're online because that's where working adults need us, that's where you need us. We'll support your commitment to being a successful student with services that fit your lifestyle, 
and we offer more than 90 programs and specializations for where you are and where you want to be. University of Maryland University College is now University of Maryland Global Campus. We go the distance because times have changed, but what we're made for hasn't. UMGC offers online support for veterans, including resources at the Veterans Resource Center, no-cost digital materials replacing most textbooks, virtual advising, transfer credits, and lifetime career services. Speak to our dedicated military and veterans advisors who can help you find the right degree for your career path. Visit umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV. Grand Canyon University, a Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering over 200 engaging programs online. GCU integrates the free market system and its welcoming Christian worldview perspective into its academic programs and throughout our online campus. GCU's online students received over $100 million in scholarships in 2020. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you qualify for. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.